Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Darren Williams is going to fight Frank Gore on December 18th in Tampa, and BetOnline is saying that Darren Williams is a minus 250 favorite, while Frank Gore is plus 200 in the fight. If you want to bet this fight, head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using the promo code BLEAVE50. B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to receive your bonus. Bet online, where the game starts. Good afternoon or good night. However and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live, because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is November 11th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, though, but we appreciate you stopping in no matter however and whenever it is you are listening. Download. Leave a five-star review. Doesn't have to be a nice review. Just needs to be a five-star review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Love all the support. We are on track for our second largest month in the 29-month history of the podcast. Yeah, 29-month history of the podcast. This would be our second largest month ever. So keep those downloads coming. Download 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. Download 750 episodes if you have the time. I appreciate you so much for all of your support, and I love each and every one of you. All right, we've got a fun show planned for you today with Jake from Uncovered NFL, and he's previously a Spark NFL, and he has uh, done a bunch of stuff over the years, and he is one of these people, I'm going to mention it to him at the end of the show, but he's one of the people who I respect so much in this industry because he has a large following, and he has this amazing cult following of fans similarly to what not joe flacco has where the people will follow him to the ends of the earth because he has this community of fans that follow his every move in a way that is super flattering and it's a really cool community they have there so i talked to jake for a couple times in the past and I've admired his work. I've followed him for like two years now, and I'm really glad that he wanted to do a podcast, and this just came about because he originally wanted to talk about Jordan Love, and he put out a PSA on his Instagram, like, if anyone wants me to talk about Jordan Love on their podcast, because he is a uh, Packers fan, but also a Kirk Cousins stan, which is a little confusing, but he wanted to believe Kirk Cousins was going to be top four in the MVP race this year, and Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins, as we've talked about many times on this podcast. We never know if Kirk Cousins is good or not. He's uh, about quarterback 13, tier 3 quarterback, and lives in Kirk Cousins' purgatory, which is down 6, 1 minute to go, no timeouts length of the field. So, he is a big fan of Kirk Cousins, 
and a Packers fan, so we're going to talk about those things. We're going to talk about his bumbling feud with Kyle Pitts. Uh, he's got the plug on Odell Beckham because having that amount of followers means he's got some sources. So uh, we talk about that situation, try and sort through some of the fun of the wild card this year because uh, there's going to be a lot of like mediocre teams fighting for that last wild card spot, which is going to happen now when we extend the playoffs to seven games. And, you know, we talk a little bit about the Cowboys and the Titans, I guess. I don't know. Well, it's a great show. I think you guys will really enjoy it. Uh, and there's an hour of football content right into your veins here on a Thursday. Although we didn't talk about the terrible Thursday night game between the Ravens and Dolphins this week. Since I know the Dolphins are going to lose, and we're talking about the Dolphins right now, this would be a great chance to transition into Jake from Uncovered NFL with one of our favorite fight songs here on the podcast, which is, of course, the Miami Dolphins T-Pain fight song that was created in 2008, and the Dolphins have not won a playoff game since. So... Let's talk to our boy, Jake, from Uncovered NFL. By the way, uh, just for all of you who are here from Take It Easy, make sure to follow Jake over on Uncovered NFL, Uncover NBA, Uncover MLB. Just check out the Instagram link. It's in the description to this episode. If Jake sent you over here, make sure to check out Comical Sports. We got all kinds of stuff. We do the Red Rain podcast, the DSD podcast, Slump Buster podcast. Uh, check the link that says Comical Sports in the description to this episode. Now, T-Pain, take us away into our lovely conversation with Jake from Uncovered NFL. The, the wonderful oh there she is she just snuck by in the background here again this won't matter for people listening on audio but uh Keep there she's listening yeah, yeah. The, the star of the uncovered nfl page is mm -hmm. here uh and it's not jacob it is it's lola yeah yeah, man. So what do you what, what do you want to start talking about? Let's get into something. Well, the reason that you came on, you put out a PSA saying you wanted to talk about Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. So I will yeah. see the floor to you first and foremost, because you are a Packers fan at heart, although you are standing for Kirk Cousins at this point, which is a little bit confusing. But at the same time, I get it. I, I understand not feeling the regional beefs because the Packers have just dominated that division for 30 years. But I, I will cede the floor to you. What do you? What did you like to say about Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love and all of that? What's going on this week for your team? Yeah. First off, the Kirk Cousins stuff. Uh, it's tragic that he plays for the Vikings, but my fandom of him started when he was with the the football team, the Redskins, back in the day, and that's why when I ordered his jersey, I made sure to get that throwback. And People are people always ask me, they're like, why do you like Kirk Cousins? He plays in your division. He's like your rival. And I'm like, I mean, 
when when you're a Packers fan, you're going up against the Vikings and the Bears and Lions. You know you're you you know you're already gonna win. So who cares? You know, like <laughs> um, still root for players and hope they do well. I know everyone has their favorite players. Uh, Kirk Cousins just happens to be a Viking, and I hope he isn't a Viking for much longer. I hope he gets out of there, um, or at least Mike Zimmer gets out of there because Mike Zimmer is awful. But that's a whole different thing. Um, but yeah, Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers. Sunday was interesting against the Chiefs. I know a lot of people in the Packers community are quick to jump the gun on Jordan Love. They're quick to make assumptions, whether that be, oh, he's all right, or, oh, he's not it. We need to either stick with Aaron or find someone new. And there's people panicking, like, oh, we wasted our first-round draft pick on him. But my, but my, my message to everyone is Jordan Love really wasn't that bad. He really wasn't. Obviously, first game, he was jittery in the first half. I mean, walking into Arrowhead, that's tough for anyone to do. Going up against Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he's not having the best year, but still very, very tough. Like, that's your first NFL game. Um, so it's pretty daunting. And I saw over the whole course of the game, I saw him get better and better every single time that they had the ball on offense. And, I mean, the defense helped him out uh, throughout the whole game. And the, and the Chiefs offense helped him out the whole game by not scoring a lot of points but that game was winnable and that's really all you can ask for from your quarterback is to help you win games week in and week out and if Jordan Love like if he is the answer after Rodgers leaves or gets traded or whatever happens this offseason I it might be uncomfy the first season or two but I I would trust him to be like that game manager type of quarterback like a Ryan Tannehill or Jimmy Garoppolo type quarterback and help the Packers win games I mean so I, I don't I don't get why people are overreacting. I mean, it happens in football that people overreact. People jump to conclusions in a very, very short sample size. And I mean, I'm I'm guilty of that, too. So I'm sure yeah, you're with Kyle guilty. Pitts. You mean like with Kyle Pitts? OK, no, don't don't get me started on Kyle Pitts. man. <laughs> yeah. here's, here's to digest about Kyle Pitts. I and I'm thinking about making this a post later this week, but I don't I don't know how much toxicity I want to deal with this weekend. But I'm thinking about putting out a post that says Pat Freyermuth. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Is the best rookie tight end of the year so far? Yeah. I mean, it's, I I disagree, but I I mean the stats might support it. But I just like look at them. That's my way of looking. Like just yeah. just put 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 Kyle Pitts next to Freyermuth and just just look at him. That's kind of where the difference, I guess, is. And skill, yeah, Pitts has got him. But on paper, and I know some people don't like looking on. on looking at the on paper stats, but I think Pitts has like nine more receptions. He's got a beat by yards by like 250 yards, but then Pat has four touchdowns to Pitts's one. And I think obviously scoring touchdowns, that's what you're put on the field to do as a tight end slash wide receiver, whatever they're doing. And with how hyped up Kyle Pitts was heading into the season, I'm, I'll, I'll never forget. I saw reports of people claiming he was the next he's the next Calvin Johnson like that was ridiculous to mm-hmm. hold him that standard obviously that's not Kyle's fault for having that he's obviously a gifted player but I I still stand by I think the Falcons reached for him when I think they should should have went a different route and either helped out the defense traded back or went for a quarterback to prepare for life after Matt Ryan so 
Yeah, because yeah. uh, now we're finding out that uh, <laughs> all that's left now is that I've been joking about this for like six weeks now. It's just the rotting corpse of Matt Ryan that's still hanging around back there, and they've got no plan for the future at this point there. But uh, I don't even know if it's like Pitts has been bad. It's just they run the offense through Cordero Patterson and Zacchaeus yeah. for some reason. That seems to be the game plan for the Falcons. Yeah. He had those two breakout games, but I think they were against the Jets and the Dolphins. And I mean, those are defenses that just aren't great. But then you look at other matchups every other week where he's playing average to above average defenses and he just disappears. So I don't know if that's a game plan thing or if just those better defenses know how to game plan for him or if he doesn't know how to take advantage of good above average defenses. I don't know. We're still only working with a half a season sample size, so. I mean, I mean, yeah, we can go to even smaller sample sizes to bring it back to Jordan Love, because here's where I stand on Jordan Love. You you mentioned him as like a game manager type, which puts him like in that like 15 to 22 range of quarterbacks, I guess. My yeah. point around it is I don't know how good Jordan Love is, but he was not a highly rated prospect. Therefore, yeah. I don't think everyone is going to be wrong about Jordan Love and he's going to become a transcendent player. I think Jordan Love was never expected to be anything more than a fringe level starter to a backup. And therefore, that is what he probably is, because across a year and a half, no one has really said overwhelmingly positive things like, oh, wow, this guy's wowing everyone away in practices with first team or second team or whatever it is. It feels like he's just... A second round, a guy who coming into the draft was graded comparably to quarterbacks like Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater yeah. like that. Those were just comparable grades for him. Um, he's just the one who happened to inherit the ungodly situation of having to be behind Aaron Rodgers and that organization trying to make a move. And I looked at that game on Sunday. I'm like, this is a peak into your future and it's a bleak future. It's a lot of seven and nine once you take away some of those talented players on the roster. Cause it's as much as I, I thought the strategy was cool that they went quarterback running back in that draft. Jordan loves probably not it. AJ Dillon's probably not it, at least compared to what you already have. And I say this all the time with a lot of teams, there's nothing stopping you from becoming perpetually six and 10. Like it's bad decisions that separate any organization, no matter how much success you've had in the past from becoming perpetually six and 10. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I mean, if you if I, I don't understand why taking Jordan Love in the first round would make sense then if people if no one knew, like figured he was going to be that guy, because, I mean, you draft a quarterback in the first round as like a game changer almost immediately. And that's why there is so much commotion around that. But I never expected him to like fill the throne after Rodgers and be successful, like right off the bat, like Rodgers was. I mean, I guess Aaron Rodgers did go six and ten. His first season after Favre, I mean, you're not I mean, different expected. circumstances, of course, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think people realize that Rodgers wasn't Aaron Rodgers MVP. Like he was right out the gate. Like it takes time. And I think Packers fans are kind of privileged when it comes to that. They're used to having that superstar quarterback since what, 1998. I mean, it's going to be different. But I think what Matt LaFleur, like part of his draft strategy was, these past couple of seasons is I think after the Rogers era ends, I think he's trying to form a power run team. And I think that's kind of why he went with the game manager quarterback. I think that's why he went with the power back in AJ Dillon. That's why they went and extended Aaron Jones. So they can have that one, two punch for the next four years. 
Um, and I don't know if I like that, especially in today's day and age with these quarterbacks being throwing the ball like 50, 60 times a game, uh, dialing up defenses, going to five wide. I don't know if that sort of offense is going to work. And that's what scares me the most. Not Jordan Love getting drafted, not reaching for A.J. Dillon. It's the fact that Matt LaFleur, I think his idea after Rodgers is that power run offense. I mean, the, the Browns do it well, but still, I don't really know of any other teams that do a power run scheme well, besides maybe the Browns and, I mean, the 49ers did when they made their Super Bowl, Super Bowl I mean, run. Titans, but they just have that running back. Yeah, I don't know. It's not very successful, and I don't think it's a long-term strategy that will work. So that's what scares me the most out of all of this. So I've heard people talk about in the past and I'm like, I I talked about this on another podcast. I'm I'm one of these people that like pretends like they watch film and talks like they know what they're talking about, but I'm not actually putting in the work to actually get smarter about football analysis. I kind of just regurgitate. I'm one of those people who says too high safeties a lot when talking about the chiefs offense. Um, I know what that is, but (laughs) other people told me that's what matters. Um, All of that to say is I've heard people talk about how, power running is kind of the next evolution of football because the um, interior linemen and uh, linebackers have gotten so much lighter than they used to be. And that is like an inefficiency that can be exploited, or at least people are experimenting with it, especially in college football right now. Um, But even still, I don't, (laughs) I mean, it's okay if if you as an organization decide you don't want Aaron Rodgers anymore. And I guess this was back in 2019 after that season where he wasn't like MVP Rodgers and coming off of two seasons with a collarbone injury. Like they did technically try and pivot. Like they kind of offered Rodgers an extension, but also it was kind of like a token thing. There was the leak during the draft that they offered the Patriots like swapping picks 15 for 28 and giving them Jordan love like that. Like they, they kind of tried to pivot, but they feel like they're going to go with Jordan love, which I guess is fine, but you just yeah. don't screw it up. Just if, cause if you screw it up, it's a fireable offense that you drove away. Maybe the greatest quarterback to ever pick up a football. And, and I invested what, but this is year two of Jordan love. And next year would be season three of Jordan Love, and that's investing three years into a player that you don't know is going to work, whereas everyone else is rushing their rookie quarterbacks out there right away to see if they're the real deal or not. Yeah. yeah. And Jordan Love was not as highly graded as the ones in this class, so it's a weird comparison because Jordan Love feels like a rookie in this class, even though he's know he not. But yeah. it's, it's not a comparable comp- – because I think other than Mac Jones, I think Mac Jones is the only one who had a comparable like draft grade to – uh, to Jordan Love, where they were like second round guys who happened to get picked in the first round because people overvalue quarterbacks. Yep. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. Like he, he did fine for like a game managing type of quarterback. They probably should have scored more than seven points, but doesn't doesn't look good for the Packers in what their their future hopes look like in a world post Aaron Rodgers that might be coming pretty damn quickly at this point as we look at everything going on with what happened this off season. So he's like, well, you wanted Jordan love. I can go do something else now, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, in terms of keeping Aaron Rodgers happy, how much, how much do you think adding a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. would help that help him stay, maybe help him convince him that management is listening to him. Who who knows if even approach Aaron Rodgers, like, Hey, do you want us to go get this guy? If so, do you want us to like make a competitive offer? Just, 
the baseline vet minimum, which is apparently what they sent to OBJ. Like, Based on what I, what the OBJ situation looks like, it feels like there's a lot of quarterbacks trying to have conversations here. When you look at the teams where it's like the Seahawks, the Ravens, the Chiefs, the the Packers, the Saints, not so much, but I don't know why he wants to go to the Saints. But uh, everyone else there, it's like, uh, I don't know how real the Patriots stuff is too. You're more connected with the sources and stuff. But I don't know how real the Patriots idea is, but yeah. Um, I, the reason for, uh, the saints is, uh, obviously OBJ, uh, he's from Louisiana, went to LSU. So he's got those ties there That's to right. go home for the rest of the season and then head into free agency with whatever he wants to do next. Um, as far as I know, the Packers offered that veteran minimum contract to OBJ, um, kind of just to put it out there and say they did something with him. Uh, but it's not a, a very competitive offer. And then as far as I know, the Patriots have submitted an offer that is a more incentive based and pays OBJ more like for playing in games and playoff bonuses and stuff like that. And then obviously Seattle's making their pitch. Um, and then I don't think Kansas city is all that serious anymore. I think they have other things to worry about at the moment, but yeah, the Saints are in the mix, but if Sean Payton, can sell the idea of uh, OBJ catching footballs from Trevor Simeon. I think he, <laughs> Sean Payton deserves if he can pull that off. <laughs> yeah. So they can only lose by 17 instead of by 24 in their playoff game yeah. this year. Losing Jameis is tough. I, if, if Jameis Winston is quarterback right now, I think the Saints are like one of the front runners to land them instead yeah. of being like kind of of the list of teams. And if Jameis Winston yeah, was their tough. quarterback, they would only lose by 10 in a wild card game instead of by 17, which is pretty much where the Saints are at at this point. Is just there's five good teams in the NFC and then no one else is good. So, yeah, the Saints are, will make the playoffs by default. Who are those five teams for you? Uh, Rams, Cardinals, Packers, Bucks, Cowboys. Okay. Yeah, I don't think they're it, but I agree with everyone else. Oh, I think I, I agree with you that I don't think the Cowboys are – as good as this suggests, but I, I recognize that I might be doing the thing where I'm looking ahead. I'm like, well, the Cowboys are going to be the four seed and they're going to have to play the Cardinals in the wild card. So yeah, the Cowboys might be six and two, but watch out. They're going to lose in the wild card this year. So I might be doing that just to get ahead of being right about the Cowboys, but I just yeah. don't trust the defense is why I'm not in favor yep, of the that, Cowboys. I, I'm like, they don't really match up. Compared to the Packers, Cardinals, Rams, Bucks, all those teams have really good defenses too, on top of good offenses. But yeah, the AFC, on the other hand, is just completely wide open. <laughs> well, sure. except for the except for the two that we know are good, which is Baltimore and Buffalo. Ooh, I don't know if I would call I don't know if I would call Buffalo good yet. If I would call them a contender yet, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs, obviously. But I, I have they really showed? Like they're a true contender where they're going out and beating teams every week, taking care of business against bad teams. I don't, I don't know. Like you oh, gotta yeah, be no, able to that, do that if you can. That offense is kind of broken in Buffalo. It's, their offense is a little bit broken. Which, broken. Yeah. Which is fair, but the, you know who else's offense is broken? The chiefs, you know, who else's offense is broken? The Titans. So I guess that's kind of, I'm doing the default thing that one. Cause Buffalo still has all that talent. Yeah, I mean, 11 of the 16 teams in the AFC, I think, are above 500. So it's going to be crazy to see what happens these this back half of the season. 
And the Patriots are only a game back. I think they're only a half game back of the Bills. So who knows what will happen there? They might even choke away the division. I That's highly doubtful, but still a possibility. You know, Bill Belichick is that guy. He makes it work with anything and anybody. Patriots have a brutal schedule, I think, down the stretch, which is kind of like, I guess, a problem for them. But also, I don't know what to do with the Patriots. <laughs> I, if you yeah. take all the contenders in the AFC, like the 11 teams, or uh, Denver, I know, is five and four, but they're not good. But if you take the 10 teams that are like five and wins and above and you put them on paper in front of each other, the Patriots probably have the worst offense of all of them. Yeah. But they're also doing more with less this year. I don't know if that's a Belichick thing or McDaniel's thing. I, I just know they're doing more with less at this point. Yeah, getting OBJ would help, obviously, a, a shit ton, uh, a lot. Um, probably would make them a real playoff threat to make the playoffs. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to shape out. One team that is very, very confusing to me are, are the Atlanta Falcons. They're four and four. Right now, they're the seventh seed in the NFC. Or it does it make sense to even like consider them as a playoff team? No, moving forward, no. I'll I'll finish it right now. No, they're they're not good. They're they're fighting desperately hard to get to seven wins, and I commend them yeah. for their effort. But yeah, they'll they'll be the they're in what I call right now the eleven to fifteen pick range where they're yeah. aggressive. They're trying their best, but there's just a talent gap in between it. Um, we were talking about this before. So there's there's five good teams in the NFC. And then the Saints and then crap after that. But it looks yep. like out of the crap, someone's going to get the seven seed by default and it's Russell Wilson. But okay. that's only because you're talking about Giants, Eagles, Panthers, Falcons, Vikings as the alternative options. And I don't like any of those teams. Yeah, I saw that today. The two seven matchup is Green Bay and Atlanta. I'm like, that's that's not fair. <laughs> that, that would not be good for Atlanta at all in green Bay. Oh my God. There is one situation I'm desperately rooting for, and it's for Daniel Jones to end up in the seven game, just only so that Daniel Jones would get an extension with the giants, but they're not good enough. They're definitely not good enough. In terms of extensions with the giants, what do you think they do with Saquon after this season? Let them go resign them. I don't know. I mean, they simply put the we talked about this three weeks ago when they got like just destroyed by the Rams. Like you can go fumigate the place now. Just get rid of Gettleman, get rid of Judge, get rid of Daniel Jones, Saquon. You do what you want with him. I'm guessing that's just going to be how much money is what it's going to come down Mm -hmm. to. But just fumigate the place. Just get everyone out of there and start over again because it didn't work. Like the reason we had the NFC East being so crap for the last two years is because the Giants were supposed to be good, but they just Mm -hmm. missed on literally every single draft pick that they had. So there was just a total power vacuum at the top of that division. Yeah, I'll never forget when I predicted the Giants go four and 13 this year, the amount of backlash that I got from Giants fans. It was commend you for sticking it out. (laughs) Yeah. All right. What? They're three and six. Granted, they might not go four and thirteen, but they're still not going to be good. Yeah, I mean, I was not a fan of the Kenny Galladay signing. Um, I wasn't a fan of the Kadarius Tony first round draft pick. I'm not a fan of Joe Judge or the front office there. And all these fans were in my DMs, like, "Oh, it's the Giants' division to lose. Uh, the Cowboys are going to be bad. Washington football team is going to be bad. Eagles are going to be bad, like usual." And I'm like, "I don't know," but. 
here we are week nine and they're awful. And now a lot of them are apologizing and I commend them for that. So if you're a Giants fan and you're listening to this and you haven't apologized to me yet, my DMs are open. So hit me up. Take note. Um, this is uh, something that I talk about a lot here, but I'll reiterate it again. This is how I start beefs as a meme page. It is you you go after these perpetually mediocre. There are like eight perpetually mediocre organizations in the NFL at this point. Buffalo used to be one of them, but now they're good. But yep. it's about eight or nine perpetually mediocre organizations. You take those and you go after the ones whose fan bases have expectations. So if you're a Lions fan, you know you suck. It's not fun to make fun of the person who knows that it's terrible. Jets, same thing. Um, the uh, the Bengals have been fine. I shouldn't say the Bengals. The Jaguars, Jaguars fans know they suck, so it's not fun to make fun of them. So at this point, we have three teams that we have consistently gone after for years. It is the Chicago Bears, the New York Giants, and the Denver Broncos. And a fourth one that's hanging around there is the Carolina Panthers, where I'm like, Panthers fans, don't make me start to hate you. You guys are nuanced. You guys are not really that aggressive about defending the honor of Sam Darnold or your coach or anything like that. But some every now and then you do some stupid shit. And I'm like, don't make me hate you. I don't want to do it because you guys have been just as bad as the Broncos for the last six years. But Bears and Giants are consistently vaults for content to make fun of because Giants fans, you did this to yourselves. If Ben McAdoo got fired for being right, he was right that Eli Manning was washed. And if you listened to him, you maybe could have had Josh Allen. Yeah, that's something to think about. Imagine that. I wouldn't be a Josh Allen fan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, if I'm looking back at how I went about like attacking teams, I... I went after the 49ers after the Super Bowl because I knew they weren't going to be good again. And now here they are two seasons into their hangover and with no signs of light in the future. That was so weird. I was talking to someone who's a 49ers fan. They're like, oh, yeah, John Lynch is gone. And that means Shanahan's probably going to be gone. I was like, wow, that fell apart so fast. Well, that's the thing. Kyle Shanahan, I mean, he came from Atlanta when they blew that Super Bowl to San Francisco since being in San Francisco, he's only had that one winning season. Yeah. And I don't think people realize that. They, the 49ers have had a losing season every other year. He had that one magical run because his defense and power run game was insane. Jimmy Garoppolo sold in the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, and he has the worst coaching record than Matt Nagy, who's pretty much getting ran out of town right now so yeah but we know we know the bears are weird like that's like how uh mitchell trubisky has a better win percentage than deshaun watson it's like this is this is misleading this is intentionally misleading but you were saying about going after 49ers fans yeah i went after them the season after um the super bowl and yeah they it was brutal because they had they had these expectations and that's kind of what when you said that, I'm like, that's kind of how I approach my slander too. Like went from the 49ers after their whole misery, miserable season. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done with them. And now I chose the giants this season. And then yeah. obviously I'm Tom Brady slander whenever I can, cause he's basically a glorified game manager, but that is like a whole two hour segment by itself. So we're going to save that for later. <laughs> yeah. That's a Tom Brady talk is always convoluted here. Cause I'm like, I don't understand how he's that good, but also there's eight quarterbacks I would want ahead of him. It's very, very weird at this point right now. But to that point, I, I think the reason I choose that is because I know I'm going to be right. 
like with the Bears and the Giants and the Broncos is like I'm almost always going to be right unless you break the curse of being a perpetually mediocre franchise, which sometimes the only way to do that is by getting a new owner. And like the Bears are fourth generation McCaskey and Giants are fourth generation Mara. So that doesn't really change anything for them. So I eventually they'll be good, but they'll still continue to be perpetually mediocre. And it's, I guess, only when your fan base stops being loud and strident about it is when it stops becoming fun for me. Like we, we decided we're not seriously going to talk about the Bears until September of next year because <laughs> this season's over. That yeah, this season's done. They're going to fire their coach. Uh, they have no first round picks, so we're not going to talk about them in draft coverage this year. Um, and everyone's going to do the offseason conversation of will Justin Fields make a leap under the new coach? And we won't be able to know that until he actually plays games. So uh, you could tell me who the new coach is that uh, when they run out the tunnel week one, and I can formulate a pretty strong opinion about how the Bears are going to be next. Oh, also, they're going to lose Allen Robinson and they're going to replace him with a wide receiver getting like seven million a year or something like that. Yeah, so, I feel bad, Robinson. I really do. He had a choice to come to Green Bay and he chose Chicago. I don't get it. I don't get it. Money. It's all about the money. And talk about like the mediocre teams and picking fun at them. I was a believer that the Panthers were going to get out of that rut this season. And I'll admit that I was wrong. And I, I was a firm believer that Sam Darnold wasn't the problem in New York. And now I look like a complete idiot for that. And they started off three and all. And I'm like, Oh shit, look at this. They got a good defense. I still think they have a good defense. And they finally have a competent quarterback, a consistent quarterback, someone that can manage the game. Turns out Sam Darnold can't do that. Um, he's actually – I'm posting tonight that he's been the worst quarterback in the NFL tonight, so that'll be fun to see the comments about that. It's pretty close, like in the non-rookie category. Like he's pretty much – that. but <laughs> this is my favorite stat is that the, the Panthers right now are 30th in passing yards and Sam Darnold is ninth in pass attempts this year. Which is unbelievable. Yeah, no. Jeez, yeah. And I mean, and then Christian McCaffrey went down. And now Sam Darnold's out four to six weeks. And I wouldn't be surprised if they end up at the bottom of the NFC. It's awful. Yeah, no, they're going for draft picks this year. And the... yeah, I think their hope is Deshaun Watson. And I really hope they don't do that because they're going to be giving up. Like, they already have a pretty solid squad on defense. I mean, I don't know if Deshaun Watson would be the answer because you're going to have to give up a lot. You're going to have to, like, switch from, like, that mediocre team to, like, win now for, like, the next two years with Watson. And I don't know if they can handle that. I don't know. Well, here's here's the thing I always do when people talk about, like, I believe in Matt Rule and, like, this is going to work out. I'm like, all right, here's the question I go to that. Will Matt Rule win a playoff game as coach of the Panthers? Never know, probably. (laughs) But, hey. If I had to put money on it, I would I would put money on the opposition. So that's my answer. Yeah. It tells when people say they believe in Matt Rule, I'm like, this is how we figure out how much you really believe in Matt Rule is that one. But I the the Darnold thing I always knew wasn't gonna be an idea. It wasn't gonna work out the way people thought it was gonna be. Like Sam Darnold, it was it was dumb that the jets were entertaining the idea of keeping Darnold for basically, if you count the fifth year option, like two years and 25 million when you had the number two pick. And so when the Panthers did the same thing, just at pick nine, I'm like, this is basically no different than the jets. Like you're, you should take the rookie quarterback 
instead of the thing you know is not good or the thing you know is basically Jacoby Brissett. And Jacoby Brissett is like a stopgap option. It's not, I mean, maybe the Panthers are still in stopgap option mode. Like maybe they're still waiting to find the quarterback, but usually after like three or four years, that's when it starts to be like, okay, it's been like too long for you to not yeah. like take a shot at the board. Yeah. And last year would have been the time to take a quarterback because I don't really follow college football that closely, but I know that the QB slate heading into this draft is not really comparable to the one last year in terms of talent. I don't know if you follow college football more closely, if you got any insight on that, as far as I know, the quarterback class is not nearly as good as last year. So according to our uh, draft analyst, Blake Jude, I want to shout him out here because he does like legit scouting. He's a crazy person, but uh, yeah, he says uh, there are not going to be any quarterbacks drafted in the top 10 in this year's draft. Yeah. What there was almost, there's three drafted last year, three and fields should have been like fields was disrespected, but and Mac. Oh, four, four in the top 15. Yeah. Yeah. There are five in the top 15. Who's the fifth? Lawrence Wilson, Lance, uh, Fields, oh. and uh, Mac Jones. I forgot about Lance because he hasn't played at all. Yep, that makes sense. Wow. Yeah, they missed out. That would have been the time to <laughs> get a quarterback. And I'm pretty sure the guy they drafted is the corner that got hurt the rest of the year, right? J.C. Horn. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's can't really predict an injury to happen, though. I love the parallels between the Panthers and Broncos over the past few years. One of them being they both passed on Justin Fields for corners on back-to-back picks of the draft. And this year started 3-0 and before losing four consecutive games. But if you want to take it even further, the Panthers and Broncos, these are their seasons in no order since they played in the Super Bowl. So Panthers, 5-11, and 5-11, and 6-10, and 7-9, and 11-5. and Broncos, 5-11, and 5 and 11, 6 and 10, 7 and 9, and then one 9 and 7 season. Uh, the Panthers have gone through nine different quarterbacks. The Broncos have gone through 12. The Panthers have one playoff game where they lost to the Saints. The Broncos have not made the playoffs, and both are going to suck this year. And it's been six years, and they're both perpetually mediocre. So they've basically been doing a Spider Man meme of each other since that yeah. Super Bowl run. Wow, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, pretty much the playoff appearance. (laughs) Yeah. Jeez. I think they lost by like 20 points in that playoff game too. So it's like kind of counts as a playoff appearance, but that was the one year that that was the one year other than the MVP season. Cam Newton had like a top 10 MVP year. Damn. Well, what else do we got to talk about here? I mean, do you want to come back around to Kirk Cousins? I know we talked about that a little bit before and then sidetracked by Kyle Pitts, but the Kirk Cousins standing comes into play now and the Vikings are obviously rivals, but also irrelevant. So it allows you to continue to love Kirk Cousins, which is weird because I feel like we know exactly what Kirk Cousins is more than any other. Well, Derek Carr, other than Derek Carr, we know exactly what Kirk Cousins is more than any other quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, since his days in Washington, he's been a consistently above average quarterback in my opinion he's I think he's like 30-ish touchdowns every year under 12 interceptions every year but he's just been surrounded by nothing well I guess you shouldn't I shouldn't say nothing in Minnesota he's got Thielen, Jefferson and Cook but I think Mike Zimmer is the problem there 
And I think Kirk's contract is up, not this year, but after next year. And I think it's going to come down to whether the Vikings stick with Zimmer or Kirk. And I really hope uh, they stick with Zimmer because the Vikings will still suck if they stick with Zimmer. And then Kirk Cousins is free to join a team that could position him to actually win meaningful games. Um, Whether that be Denver in like two years, whether that be Carolina in two years, if they're willing to wait, not pass or not go all in on Watson. Um, I don't really know anywhere else. Maybe San Francisco (laughs) isn't the real deal after next season. Who knows? Yeah, but I, yeah, Kirk Cousins is my guy. I've stuck with him since Washington. I mean, he's on pace for, what what was that? It was like 4,200 yards, 32 touchdowns, four interceptions, 69% completion. Like, that's all you can ask from a quarterback. That's top 10 quarterback play and the Vikings are going to waste it again this year. And it's terrible to see. And I try my best to watch every Vikings game and it's painful and I feel bad for Vikings fans. Oh no. Why would you do that to yourself? (laughs) I feel bad. And it's not when they lose to green Bay, but when they lose all these other heartbreakers, it seems like every week it's like a a kick and a regulation. Well, not Uh, all. Well, we have a term for this. It's called, well, it was originally called Philip rivers purgatory, but now it's Kirk cousins purgatory, which is, you're always down six, one minute to go, no timeouts, length of the field every single mm-hmm. week. That's always, sometimes you're going to win, sometimes you're going to lose, but you're always down six, no timeouts, length of the field, and one minute to go. I feel like it's the flip. It's the flip. Kirk Cousins takes them down the field and they win or, or they take the lead. And then their defense is faced with stopping the opposing offense with one minute left, down by three, four, five, six, whatever points. And then the defense just plays prevent and allows them to do whatever they want, and then they lose. Like, and it doesn't doesn't matter what team you're playing. It could be the Cardinals, it could be the Bengals, it could be the Cowboys with Cooper Rush Baltimore. or the Lions. Yeah. It was Baltimore last winning 24 to 10. And then the Ravens came back and then Kirk let them down the field and then Lamar matched it and then overtime happened and they got that crucial, crucial interception by Anthony Barr, I believe it was. And then they came out on offense. So I'm like, finally, he's going to win one of these games. He's got to go 25, 30 yards. And then the play calling is just God awful. They ran, they had a check down on first down, run up the middle for two yards, second down. Baltimore brought pressure on third down, tur- turnover on downs. Baltimore's going the other way and they lose. And I'm like, wow. They're finding new ways to lose every week, just like the Lions. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. It's awful to watch, and I feel bad for Lions fans too. I, I I keep saying this week after week, but they are the best winless team that I've seen play in the See, NFL. This is, we went through this same thing two years ago with the Bengals, where the first week of the season they almost went into Seattle and won, and then proceeded to go zero and ten with Andy Dalton that last year and every year I'm like, this is the greatest Owen five Owen six Owen seven Owen eight Owen nine Owen 10 team in the history of the NFL. And it paid out in the end for them. But yeah, the lion Detroit sports as a whole, there's a fun stat that if the lions hold on to the number one pick this year, it would be the third different Detroit team to have the number one pick in four years. Um, I, I technically in two years, cause the tigers have had it twice. Now the tigers had it in 2020 Pistons 2021 and then the Lions would be 2022 and then the Tigers also had it in 2018 I think with Casey Mize so that's four and then the Red Wings have been terrible but they just get really bad luck in the lottery so it's like they 
finish. I think, I think they get like the one or two odds and then get like the five pick. Cause they just get terrible luck in the lottery. So yeah, just general, it's been rough for Detroit sports, but I'd rather do it that way. If it guarantees me the number one pick is know your team's better and lose these one possession games just so you get a higher draft pick. Like I'd rather do it that way. Right. We'll go out and lose to like Baltimore by that game winning field goal, whatever it was like 60 yards or something. And then they'll go out against Philly and lose by 35. And I'm like, what? That, that makes no sense. But it feels like for the first time in a couple of seasons, they actually have a sense of direction and a sense of leadership. So mm-hmm. that's great. If they win no games this season, at least you have that Detroit. Like, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. And the, the Tigers are expected to be spenders this off season. So maybe the Tigers will turn it around slowly, but surely, but very unlikely until we actually see them pull the trigger on someone. So Yes, the off season that will begin in March because we're going to have a labor holdout for two and a half months. But yeah, even still. It's brutal. I just hope there's a season. (laughs) I think there will be, I think. But to the final point I will ask you, because I've been asking most guests this week about that, which is, uh, so going through the AFC, do you think the Chiefs, first, this is a four thing. Do you think the Chiefs are going to win the AFC West? Nope, I think that's the Chargers to lose. Interesting. So if you put the Chargers there, then you put uh, Baltimore. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. Buffalo. Buffalo three. Yep. And Titans. Oh, wait. Hold up. No, Titans would be three, Buffalo four. But it, I'm just saying the division, those are the oh. four division winners. Doesn't have to be in order, just has to be yep. those four, the division winners. So now pick your three wildcard teams in the AFC. Oh, my God. I feel like I need a list in front of them to look at. I, uh, I will I will give you the quick the spark notes list. So you have Kansas City, Las Vegas, Denver, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, the Colts, and the Patriots. Wow. Okay. I would I feel like it would be a crime not to include Kansas City. They they gotta turn it around eventually, right? I mean, you'd think. It's been halfway through the season and they've kind of been. I am a certified Mahomie and every week I keep losing more and more faith every week. Especially with how competitive the AFC is going to be. Like they would have to, like every game is a must win for them. Oh, and they have the hardest schedule in football the rest of the season. Oh, geez. Yeah, I'll have, I'll, I'll put them in the playoffs probably as the six or the seven though. Um, and I look around Las Vegas, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm picking the Chiefs this week in uh, our pick em pool just based on the Raiders are not allowed to be good. That's my entire pick this week. The Raiders, every season where it seems like they start off hot and then at the middle of the season they forget that they actually have a chance to make the playoffs and they plummet. So I pick no reason why that's not going to happen again. So Vegas out, moving over to the AFC North. I love that you skipped over the Broncos and that was the correct decision. We, I'm sorry yeah. I included the Broncos in there. They should not be there. Sunday was a fluke game uh, for the Broncos and the Cowboys. That's not going to happen ever again. Uh, yeah, Broncos, no. Um, AFC North, Pittsburgh, no. There's no way. I don't see that happening. Cleveland, I think we'll get on a roll here. I know they just lost Chubb and another running back to covid and that sucks, especially if they can't play on Sunday because that probably puts them back a game. But I still think they would be able to take a spot. Cincinnati, no. I think they fall off. Good story, though, the first half of the season. 
AFC South. So the last spot comes down to Indianapolis or New England for me. Ooh, no Steelers. I like it. No. I'll go with Indianapolis as the last team. They're on a roll right now. Carson Wentz is playing good. Jonathan Taylor is arguably the best running back in football right now, considering there's a bunch of unhealthy people at that position. And Michael Pittman Jr. is becoming that wide receiver, one that the Colts have been lacking the last couple of years. I like that. But here's the catch. Patriots, if they get OBJ, I think they overtake the Colts in that last spot or wherever they end up in the playoffs. Patriots without OBJ, I don't think they make it. So you like OBJ as a swing all the way on the playoff spot, which I think is something that's totally possible because I don't think OBJ is washed at all. That swing is going to be like one or two games. and I think OBJ has that playmaking ability, deep threat ability, and leadership in the locker room and that ego to help boost players' morale to get that one or two wins that they need to overtake a team like Indianapolis most last couple weeks. Well, what do you think that does for a team like Seattle if OBJ ends up there? Not a whole lot. Um, Because the reason why OBJ was unhappy in Cleveland was he wasn't getting the ball. And now he's going to, if he goes to Seattle, he's competing with DK. He's competing with Tyler Lockett. And Chris Carson comes back this week. So, I mean, yeah, it would be cool to play with Russ. And I understand why he would want to play with Russ, but he would be joining a team for the same reasons why he left Cleveland. If that makes sense. No, I think, I think it does. I just, this would be the opportunity to let Russ cook in just the spread offense realm, not the like obnoxious Seahawks fans who want to open up the offense Mm -hmm. for him, but, and not know what that means, but spread the field a bit more, not throw the ball to Gerald Everett in significant moments, but Yeah, that's kind of like where you start to open things up and, and maybe let the offense break out a bit. I forgot who's the is is Waldron the coordinator for the Seahawks now? Is it is he somewhere else? I know it's a new guy. It's like a brand new OC in Seattle. I don't I, I his name is slipping my head. Yeah, it was like um maybe I'll see what it is, but it, I know Waldron was like the, um, the Jared Goff, like a babysitter for a few years with the Rams and then ended up getting promoted to like quarterbacks coach at one point. But that was, I, I can't remember if he's the Seahawks. Yeah. He's a Seahawks coordinator. Yeah. So oh. it comes from the Rams system at least. I was about to look it up. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's the guy I thought it was, which I guess, you know, it could work out. I don't even know if he runs the Rams offense or not. I just know he comes from the Rams tree. Yeah, but those are my seven teams. What is those that? Are, those are your bonus spots. So, yeah. Tennessee, Buffalo, Baltimore, L.A., uh, Indy, Kansas City, Cleveland, New, New England if they get OBJ. So you said you had concerns about Buffalo. Does that mean like by default, you're putting Lamar Jackson in the Super Bowl? <laughs> it's probably going to be. Yeah. Unless the Chiefs catch on fire, which is definitely possible. Um, it's probably going to be Baltimore. Baltimore suffers another once every decade upset. Like they did a couple of years ago against the Titans. And I wouldn't be surprised if they went and lost to the Titans again in the playoffs. If that's what the matchup is that defense I completely underestimated the strength of that defense coming into this year. Kevin Byer should be in the defensive player that you're candid to see, um, along with TJ Watt, Miles Garrett. Um, 
But yeah, that Danico is- Autry and Miles uh, Jeffrey Simmons the last two weeks have had the most pressures in the NFL. Yeah, what they're what they've been able to do. But yeah, favorites out of the AFC is definitely either Baltimore, or Tennessee. And if Tennessee can get Derrick Henry back for the playoffs, then it's probably Tennessee's to lose. To be honest. Oh, I don't, I don't go that far, but I think you're right about the, the Derrick Henry thing where it all depends on whether he plays or not, because, yeah. uh, without him, that, and this is something that I feel like I learned from the Rams Titans game, that there's not a lot to take away from that game. Cause the Rams just did weird stuff. It happens yep. sometimes. Um, the Titans are really going to struggle to score points without having Derrick Henry. Like they, now their offense becomes singular focused. And if it becomes singular focused, you can take away that passing game with Tannehill. Cause what opened everything up was the threat of running the ball. So I think they're really going to struggle to score points over the next few weeks. And that, I mean, they're going to win the division, so it doesn't matter. Like all of this is just getting Derrick Henry ready for the playoffs, but if he is gone for the season, I think they're going to get exposed by even like some of these average teams in the AFC. Like we were talking about the Patriots or the Browns or the Chargers. Like I think those teams could even expose the Titans without Derrick Henry. So the Titans next four games, since we're talking about it, Saints this Sunday, Houston Texans, New England Patriots, Jacksonville Jaguars. So. Those are a couple games where they could probably try to establish um, some sort of run offense, especially against Houston and Jacksonville, try to get something going. But, yeah, it's going to be tough to score points against Saints, New England. And it'll be interesting to see. They'll make the playoffs, no problem. But Yeah, the Titans are going to do the AFC South thing, which I've been joking about for years, which is they're going to be the four seed play a meaningless playoff game on ABC and lose to some team that will end up making losing in the second round. Cause that's what the yeah. AFC South exists. I think, I think Bill O'Brien did that three years in a row where they won the division <laughs> played on ESPN and lost in the wild card game. I, I think like he did it with three different quarterbacks too. Like one time it was Watson. One time it was Brian Hoyer. And one time it was Brock Osweiler. Yeah. yeah. That whole division could just, go jump off a cliff and no one would care that whole division can just it's been terrible for like 10 years now yeah Deshaun Watson was like the only uh, bright spot in that division and then his whole scenario happened so well and the hope of one Andrew Luck season the hope of one magical Andrew Luck season also where they they had like a 28 point comeback against the, the Chiefs or something yep I remember that totally forgot about Andrew Luck hope he's doing well yeah yeah, we finally found him. We had had a joke on the podcast that he was in hiding. We finally found him at a college in Colorado a couple months ago. Uh, or not college, a high school in Colorado. Just he was throwing passes and talking in the locker room wearing cargo shorts. This is our first Andrew Luck sighting in close to two years. Love, Love that for him. If that's what he wants to do, hey, all for it. All for it, man. Yeah, that's going to be a hell of a 30 for 30 one day, that story. It's like, <laughs> could you imagine Sorry. someone who is a Hall of Fame trajectory walking away in the middle of their, not even in the middle of their prime, at the beginning of their prime, and then just vanishing from the face of the earth? Like, that's unheard of. It's ridiculous. I hope sorry about that. Yeah, it's going to be a great story one day. Uh, I appreciate the full hour here with us. Like I, uh, yeah. I know this started from you wanting to talk about the Packers, but this is a this is a fun podcast. I thought it. I think it is too. It's been it's been a pleasure. We'll have to do it again. 
Oh, absolutely, my man. You you've got clout, so this is a this is one of those podcasts that's very beneficial for us. So I hope all of your fans come over here and give me lots of money because we get two cents for every download. So <laughs> love love that two cents for every download, man. Yeah. So ho- hopefully your 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 magical army. Which, by the way, I will say while I've got you here, I think it's super cool that you have like a loyal army. You and not Joe Flacco are the two where I'm like, I wish I could have that. Where it's like not only a huge following, but people that are like ridiculously loyal to whatever it is that you do. Like, See, it's here's weird. the thing is you're gonna have that following that loves you for whatever you do and backs up whatever you say, but you're gonna have the exact opposite of that, where people are gonna hate you no matter what you say and rip on whatever you say and call every single one of your opinions trash, even if they think it's true, just because it's popular and it's like trendy to hate on you. Like that's the downfall of it. It's cool to have that following. And I love all the guys that do follow me and support me no matter what, but just know that there's the other side and it's brutal and it's toxic and it's gross. And things have been said to me that cannot be repeated on the air. It's, it's, yeah. It's, no, <laughs> I guess I I just have learned to not let that bother me. And I think that was kind of something that took a while. Um, so my strategy for that is whenever someone says your page is your page sucks and some people will try and defend you. I'm just like, no, no, these got a point. Like, it's like, Giro, your content is trash. I'm like, yeah, you're kind of right. Yeah, it's it's bad, but I'm just going to do it anyways. So I don't know. I. I guess I focus more on the the loyalist followers. It makes me feel good when people tell me that like they listen to the podcast every day. Cause I'm like, why, <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. I think it, you and Nacho Flacco or the uh, Canadian Cutler's got some of it too, but you guys have like loyal followings that are like, they will follow you to the ends of the earth. They will buy whatever you put out there. They will absorb every bit of content you have. I think that's super cool that you've found that chemistry with this. Yeah, it's really cool, especially when people say I'm their source of news and they rely on me for their news over people like Bleacher Report or ESPN or stuff like that. That's what I really like to see. And then obviously people that support like my content and support me as an individual. That's really cool, too. And I appreciate all that. But yeah, there's that other side, too. It's <laughs> it's not all fun and games when it comes to having that super loyal and engaging following. I feel you. There's always a flip side of the coin. And yeah. yeah. I, I get it. it. I get it. Yeah. That was a weird place to finish, but so be it. Yeah. yeah. Quality content we're putting out here. 